0: From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: to Your Thursday, welcome into Afternoons with me, Mark Stafford, Stabby, and Sammy Hewitt. In the very important, you could argue that the co pilot's more important than the pilot because if you get a gold strike, the co pilot's got to take over. So it's good to have uh, your company today. What have we got cooking? We've got a football expert and publisher at USA Today who's a long time football. Soccer rider, because it's American, so it's soccer. Talking about, it's massive news. Um, geez, we've been hit with two massive stories in two days. The Live Golf PGA Tour won yesterday, and that's going to provide a lot of fodder over the coming days, weeks, months. Um, and now the news that Messi is joining Inter Miami, which is interesting, isn't it? Inter Miami in the Major League Soccer. Um, I had to pause there. I thought, was it Real? Miami? No, it's into Miami. So, Messi going to MLS. It's been done before with the likes of Thierry Henry, David Beckham, um, Wayne Rooney. Will this work? What have they learned from the last time? And what's the landscape like in soccer, football over in the US? We'll catch up with Nate Scott. Uh, just after 2 o'clock, we'll have Tony Johnson, Sky Sport rugby commentator. He joins us every Thursday. We've got this weekend Super Rugby. And I might touch on the under-20 New Zealand side uh, their warm-up matches. Um, there was one at the NZCIS where I think Australia won that one and then they played before the Hurricanes last week and memory was it 1918 full-time to the New Zealand side but very good signs for the youngsters in Australian rugby so what's Australian rugby doing wrong that it's not translating into the top or maybe it will translate into the top later on. Uh, we'll be Keeping you very much up to date uh, in half an hour. The Nuggets travel to Miami. That series is tied one. Also, Game Three. Um, interestingly, I just saw something. Let's see if I can find it again. It's cheaper. It's cheaper to get a ticket. Here it is. Cheaper to go to Game Three of the NBA Finals in Miami. A ticket will cost you four hundred and sixteen dollars American. Think about that for a minute. Just to go to Game Three. Uh, Tickets are already on sale for Lionel Messi's first game for Miami. $482 for a ticket to go. Having just seen on uh, an ad on um, one of our local news sites, the quarterfinal ticket prices for the Chiefs against the Reds, $8 for kids, $16 for adults. Good on you, Chiefs. Mana. Um, Chiefs.flicket.co.nz. Get your Chiefs tickets to go and watch them humble the Reds. Humble the Reds. First out though, I want to talk about the cricket. It was just released about forty five minutes ago. The new contracted players. I'm actually gonna read you the release so I don't misquote anything. Uh, Adam Mill has been elevated to the list off the back of a very good international season, which he appeared 16 times for the Black Caps. He got 24 wickets, an average of 24, career best five for 26 against Sri Lanka in the second T20, and the third best T20 figures by a New Zealander all time. He's 31, made his debut 13 years ago. He's uh, been riddled with stress fractures and a number of little injuries, but he's got through a pretty good workload, according to Gary Stead. Um, always been top class bowler and we were impressed by his consistent contributions in recent home summer and tour of Pakistan Finn Allen, Mark Chapman and Blair Tickner they've all been retained they joined mid-season last year when they replaced Trent Bolt, Colin DeGronholm and Martin Guptill they were all requested they were asked if we could be released from our contracts please New Zealand cricket granted that and they were replaced by Alan Chapman and Tickner the mystifying one to me, A.J.S. Patel, he was in the list last year, but he only played two tests. He hasn't been offered a contract. Um, Trent Bolt, he declined a contract, but he has committed to being available for the Black Caps for part of the playing programme, and he's been offered a casual playing agreement. Um, so all these players, they have until June 12 to accept or decline Contract offers. The list is Fennell and Tom Blundell, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Devon Conway, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, Kyle Jamison, Tom Latham, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Glenn Phillips, Mitch Sattner, Ish Sody, Tim Southey, Blettickner, Neil Wagner, Kane Williamson, Will Young. Um, and also, interestingly, they've released how much they're getting paid. <clears throat> so the top rank black cap last season. received five hundred and twenty-three thousand, tenth ranked four four hundred and forty-four, twentieth ranked three hundred and sixty-seven. So all those players have until June twelfth to accept the agreement. (sighs) Why not Ajaz? Is it because of the calendar? And and the bigger question to me is what are we doing to develop spin bowlers? Spin bowlers can win your test matches where we really struggle to win test matches. And our spin bowlers that have got contracts are Ish Sody. Kane doesn't bowl anymore. Mark Chapman does a little bit sometimes, doesn't he? Is that it? Mitch Santner, Ish Sody. I just don't get my head around AJS Patel. Now, we've got better cricket minds out there <coughs> um, than me that will decide whether Ish uh, sorry AJS Patel should have got a contract. And as Smithy just said, just before his show finished, were those 10 was that 10 wicket bag a fluke? I don't think he's been given enough time. I don't think Kane Williamson has ever been comfortable throwing the ball to a spinner, saying, "See what you can do." They seem to get very short stints. So I'm interested in your thoughts on the plays that got contracted, the flexibility afforded Trent Bolt. And are central contracts worth it? Should they just all become freelancers and get a pay-to-play for New Zealand? Or do we need to lock them up to make sure they play for us when we want them to? I mean, it's pretty nice money. When What did I say? that The 20th player, the 20th rank gets 367000 So I don't know who's 20th in that list. It's probably one of the newish ones, maybe, maybe Blair Tickner. Um, someone down there, so to be the twentieth best contracted player to get three hundred sixty seven thousand it's quite good. Who's missed out that you think shouldn't have AJ Patel clearly would you do you think he deserves a playing contract? I'd love to see more spin from New Zealand. I'd love it and people out there in the cricket community are you seeing good spin bowlers out there in club cricket school cricket that could be developed? Um, and what's happening with our schoolboy spinners? Are they being taken aside by Paul Wiseman or Cricket Academies? I just don't know what's happening in our spin bowling ranks. We've always been able to produce good swing, seam, medium-fast bowlers, but the spinners, is there a reluctance or is there a lack of depth? Let me know. 800 five oh eight eleven, what do you make of this contracted list? What do you make of AJS Patel? not making it at a mill making it really keen to hear your thoughts 0800 150 811
0: well listen buster you better start to move your feet to the beat of madness yeah.
1: Uh, Staffy, do I have to get a new smart TV to get TVNZ Plus for cricket free to air? Marshy, you can get TVNZ Plus on your phone and you can stream it to your TV. Um, I don't have a smart TV, but I got a Chromecast that I can plug in and then I stream it through that. Um, I got it sick. I got the Chromecast secondhand off trade me for thirty bucks, and I think new they're about fifty. Uh, worth the investment. I watch my Netflix and everything stream it all off my phone. Marshy. Um. so I hope that helps you Is Michael Bracewell considered a spinner? Yeah Darren, good point, probably is actually, all round a spinner probably all round a spinner 0800 150 811 um, is the number to call, Sam just made an interesting call M- uh, interesting point a few years ago, pre the Spark deal, you could chuck anything out cricket related and it would light up Um, no calls Interesting. Interesting. We thought we'd try cricket today, but um, is it – I remember I mentioned something at the start of a show maybe two months ago when it got announced that the cricket was going back to free-to-air. Spark were um, finishing up their operation, and I think it's free-to-air. Is it, what is it, two or three years? And I was like, okay, I'm ready to get involved in cricket. I lost touch with it. I didn't watch it, I didn't read about it, I didn't do anything about it, and I think that's reflected today that uh one text no phone calls on the cricket. So maybe we have to what's the word, Sam? Pivot. Have to pivot. Have to pivot. The other thing the other thing I saw today, and it's no no hasn't been a secret about Leicester Fanganuku heading off to Toulon. Um And there's a number of quotes from him. The one that stuck out to me, because he said, yes, while the money's good, et cetera, um, I'm going to quote him. The real excitement is competing against some of the best international players in the world every week, and the majority of them are in the Northern Hemisphere. That's a young 24-ish, 24-ish-year-old, saying that the best players are in the Northern Hemisphere. How long has it been before a New Zealand player has said that? I just really latched onto that and I said that's a really interesting take. But if you think about it, France Island, South Africa play up there now. Interesting, interesting move. Um, he's left the door open to come back for the next World Cup. Uh, I think it's a 19-month contract, something like that, which must be two playing seasons. Anyway, we have opened up the lines. Cliff has called in. G'day, Cliff.
2: Good afternoon, Steffi. How you doing? Very well. It's Good. Yeah, yeah, just the the new contract list. Yeah, you know it's it's pretty it's pretty expected what they've got there. But yeah, Easy Patel, it's a tough one. He he'll end up doing what the other young Patel, the Wellington boy who went to England. If Patel's got any idea he should go and play overseas, try and get himself a contract with one of the um, sides in England, get himself uh, a career going there because it doesn't look like. Anybody except his local um, CD boy, I think, isn't he? So he's not—he's not, he's not going to get a look in with New Zealand if they don't even want to give him a contract, you know, of twenty players or whatever. He's not likely to get much chance. Yeah, you know? test matches is his only opportunity. They didn't seem to want him to play anything short, but they've got option, plenty of options in the white ball with the slow bowlers. So yeah he's not going to get anything else and probably not going to get anything at all but,
1: no. uh, yeah, and they, cricket, they cricket. don't they don't have to give him a contract. I'm just wondering why he just doesn't get more game time um like you 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 you, actually, you probably accidentally said something then that i I've switched on to is in the white ball we've got slow bowlers, but we haven't got spin bowlers
2: yeah we've got like good length bowlers you know there's three of them and 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 soda Sodhi. Who should play more Test matches doesn't, mm. but uh, that's another story as well. We seem to like going for a guy who can bat more than a than a bowler. You know, we're always worried about our number eight position. If we haven't got uh, the Jamieson playing there, we struggle to fill that that all rounder spot. So, you know, it's it's a tricky one. With it'll be interesting to see what happens with mm-hmm. the hierarchy of cricket, where the cricket goes. You know, they've got to get rid of that. Uh, guy who's in charge of the high-performance side of New Zealand cricket. He's got to go as well as Stead, as well as uh, White. You know, we're going to get a fresh broom in and sweep the old dust out, get some uh, – yeah, get get New Zealand cricket again. It has to be on TV a lot, easier to get at. I mean, if it's not on Sky, if it's got to be free to air, it can't be hidden away on, on Spark and these other ones because people then don't see it.
1: Mm. And no, I, I was one of those people, been, Cliff.
2: Yeah, well, I didn't watch it either. I went to the Test match at the Basin, but I reckon seventy percent of the people there were either English visitors or expat English people. And it was a great day. It was really fun. You know, they they bring so much vitality to the to the uh, spectator area with the bit of music and bit of singing and stuff, and it's just great. Mm. You know, New Zealand cricket's got a got to look after the test match and that's uh, uh, where it is Brilliant. Well, you have a good day.
1: You too Cliff, thanks for calling in from Dunedin. You have a great day too. We've we'll got to a Stephen in Wellington. G'day Stephen
3: Yeah, g'day Mark um, Yeah, yeah, you, you, you touched on a, a, a sore point for me and uh, a, a very valid point that I think that we have neglected for such a long time and, and it's in the spin bowling and I think um, if we go back to yeah, stead and I think Williamson, I I think you had a good point there that they seem to forget about it, and we've got this obsession with pace bowlers. I've been reading this very interesting book called The Magic of Spin, mm. and it's Ashley Mallet, and he talks about Australia's greatest spin bowlers, and then he goes through and then he goes through that period um, before Shane Warne came, where the, they sort of was the obsession with the pace bowlers, you know, the West Indies and Australia and most other teams set probably for India. And it's fascinating. And I I actually wonder too, if we need to start investing in some of these promising bowlers and then send them over to the Australian Academy where it seems like they've got some very, very good spin bowler coaches. And I mean, Ashley Mallett was involved for a while you know, to really, um, to improve and and to get that quality and and to maybe turn a spin bowler. I wonder with Battelle whether, if he could bring up his batting where he's sort of maybe not quite an all-rounder, but he shows that potential to be able to bat as well as bowl and maybe even try and bring up his fielding. Mm. And that's so they, so they can't ignore and say, okay, you know, he's got these other qualities here. Because um, I think Bracewell is, is not really a spin bowler. You know, I mean, he's maybe to come in as, um, um, you know, just a part timer. But but you need you need a genuine spin bowler, and I, I think that's where Battelle, um We need Battelle and they need to encourage him, and they need to bowl him more and more. And then, I mean, like I think the last time they played him, he hadn't played for ages, mm. you know. And I and and I mean that's that's ludicrous. And then they just give him in, and it was a difficult time for him. But he the more you know. Just reading the book, what Ashley Mallett's saying, you know, you spin bowlers, you need to bowl and bowl and bowl, you know, and also the nets, you need to keep practicing, practicing, practicing. But um, and, and one other point, I what sort of um, can you do you know with Patel? What is he? Um, uh, is he finger? Is he a finger spinner? Yeah, or, he is a finger spinner. Does, does he have many varieties? Um, I mean, to his, his bowling, too. I wonder if, you know, if there's some other aspects that he could maybe improve on, too, but, um, you know, to, to, so that they, they can't ignore him anymore, you know, that they, they, they have to play him and, and, and pursue. And, and whether also going over to Australia for a little time could be could be helpful
1: for him yeah it's, it's almost like the attitude towards our spin bowlers uh, or, or slow bowlers is they hold up an end to give our pace bowlers a rest and once they're rested they're taken off again and not given that opportunity uh, uh, that, that's what I see Stephen
3: mm. yeah good man yeah well yeah well that that's so different to the Australian approach isn't sure
1: it? is it sure is they, you know? they throw the ball to Nathan Ryan and say win us a match
3: Yes, mm. and and it's it's very interesting too that they have all these um, previous test players or coaches of spin bowling where they can go and learn the craft. Like when he when he first started off, he was reasonable, but then he went to the academy and they ironed out a few of his problems and um, to, to improve his bowling. Like just 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 quickly, um, when Ashley Mallett. Started Came first on the scene, and 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 he was having difficulty getting into the South Australian team, a uh, Western Australian. So he went, he went over and he talked to Clary uh, Clary
1: yeah yeah, Groomit,
3: yeah, yeah. And he told him that you have to put it above the eye uh, bowler's, uh, you know, uh, eye, eye level. Yeah, you have to pitch it up more. And then he started to do that, and it made a huge difference in his bowling. So I sort of wonder too if we to bring over uh, spin spin coaches from Australia, you know, for these um, and, and have these clinics, or even also link up and send them over there to get more practice, and maybe there's a few little irons in there in there. Um, Repertoire And I, I think Sony sometimes, maybe that could be quite good for him. Mm. And I, I think he's not been as used as he could be used as well, too. But I think sometimes linking up with Australia could be a real plus for us, and, and for us to really appreciate spin bowling, and maybe we do need to have a um, huge thought. With that, with the coaching, with the top administration, maybe we need to bring in people like Jeremy Coney and Ian Smith, and give them some sort of role as, you know, consultant or something like that. Mm. Get, turn into this experience and use it Mm. more. Yeah, because
1: I'm going to have to let you go, Stephen. But I've been thinking like cricket's made up in four parts: there's batting, fielding fast bowling, spin bowling, and I feel like we concentrate on three but not the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Stephen, we are got to push on. Okay. Thanks Steve, for your call, buddy.
3: Yeah, okay, Mark. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, you... Bye-bye now. We'll take a break. We'll come back with you after that. I uh, got a text in here. It's a very good point. What about Jimmy Neesham? no mention at all and yet they go to him don't they when they need a fix it man and he he does do the job sometimes and do they get that amount regardless if they're able to earn that much if they play or are they able to earn that much if they play every game I'm pretty sure uh, Texter that it's like a salary that's what they get um, regardless of whether they play or not because they pay them to keep them in the 20 to keep them in New Zealand and not bugger off so, yeah, you're right. There could be a $360,000 ranked 20th player who plays a game. Not bad. Not bad. Um, you hold on there, Aiden. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll take your call. And anyone else that wants to talk about this cricket, the new contracted players, 0800 150 811. But we'll go to Johnny first.
0: Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockinest speed of madness. Yeah.
1: Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven is the number, and that's the number that the great man from Hawke's Bay has called in from Aidan. G'day, buddy.
4: G'day, Steph. How are you going? Very good. Thank you. Good, good. I thought I would uh, add my thoughts on Ajaz Patel. Brilliant. Um, and central contracts and stuff. So a couple of things. I thought, well, first of all, I think that the reason that the phones aren't red hot when, you, when it comes to Ajaz Patel anymore is that people... I've come to expect it. Mm. Um, I think there was a lot of outrage when he got his 10 wickets in the inning. he came back, he wasn't picked for that next test match at home. And New Zealand cricket even made a point of saying, OK, we'll get, we're actually going to comment on this. We're going to comment on a non-selection for once. And so people got it out of their systems then. And I think because of the way that Gary Stead and Kane Williamson and now Tim Southey picked their test team... I think people just realise now that it used to be Mitch Santner, he would be the spinner. Now it is um, uh, now it's uh, Michael Bracewell, mm. and that they don't they simply do not choose a specialist spinner. So I think people are used to it. So the outrage has kind of just been diluted <laughs> over the last probably 18 months or so. Didn't that that first um, Test
1: match Tim Southey in charge as captain after Kane got injured, Ishodi straight into the Test team got thrown the ball quite a bit.
4: Yeah, and that, well, that was the other thing I was going to mention because I think that um, based on that last, there was a, a test overseas where, was it Pakistan, where they both played? Mm. And during that test match, there almost was a changing of the guard where Sodi seemed to perform, well, he did perform better in mm. the test match. He performed better than Ajaz Patel in that test match and he seemed to be the one that, okay, since ali has got the ball, who am I going to throw it to? You would have assumed before that test match started it was Ajaz Patel but it suddenly became Ish Shodi. So I think that's the other thing that you quite rightly bring up, is that he, he has actually fallen out of favour. And Ish Shodi, you know, he's gone away, he's improved his, his Red Bull game, and he has come back a stronger player. Um, and I just see that they've, they've actually just shifted away from AJS as well. So, and, of course, the fact is that you can only choose 20 uh, people to get central contracts. Ish Shodi has the flexibility to be able to play all three formats. Um, Ajaz, as much as you know, he has talked over the years about um, improving his batting um, and being a more valuable potential member of a, a white ball team. It just hasn't happened. He plays very well for the Central Stags at, at that level. You know, we can we can rely on him uh, to come in and uh, in the Super Smash or in the you know in the Ford Trophy and add value. But at the international level, he isn't quite there white ball wise. Mm-hmm. So I think I think um, yeah, I think until Gary Stead and Kane Williamson and Tim Southey either have a complete rethink or until they move on, this is the way it's going to be in terms of a spinner not being, a specialist spinner not being selected in that test team. And I think there is potential for change in the future. I mean, you just look at Baz uh, over with England now and look how he is back Jack Leach. And when Jack Leach is made unavailable, he goes out and gets Moinelli and he basically tells Moinelli you're going to play every test. If you come back and you come out of international retirement, you can play every Ashes test. And he backs them, and that's the way he does things. But under the current regime here in New Zealand, I don't think that's going to happen. Would you like it to happen? Would I like it to happen? Yes, I would. As a, as a cricket fan and as a fan of spin bowling, I would love it to happen. And I think Jack Leach is actually the, the great example where if you back someone, who I don't think anyone would ever pretend that Jack Leach is the greatest spin bowler in the world, but he is playing at his best because he has the backing of his captain and his coach, and they have um, helped him to fulfil his promise. And it's really unlucky and unfortunate for him that he is now injured because I think he would have played in all five tests. I think he actually would have played very well for England. So, yes, I would like to see it. Um, I guess the other thing we've got to bear in mind is that um, when it comes to these central contracts, there's very limited opportunity for Ajaz Patel to play in the next year. Um, I think there's, ironically, he'll probably play in the first couple of test matches. I think there's a couple of test matches away uh, against Bangladesh after the the conclusion of the Whiteboard World Cup. But then they come back here, and I think, and these haven't been announced, but these are on the Future Chores program. They've got two ma- two tests at home to South Africa, two tests at home to Australia. And I, Ajaz isn't going to play in any of those four, unless mm-hmm. something drastic happens between now and then. So suddenly you're thinking, OK... Do we give this man a central contract? Who's probably going to play two two tests in Bangladesh, and that's all he's going to do for us for the next twelve months? Yeah, I wondered
1: if the programme, and I thank you for doing the legwork for me, Aiden. I was wondering if the the calendar of red ball, white ball, probably had an influence on giving him a twenty. Uh, sorry, giving him one of the twenty spots, and, and you've sort of indicated that that's probably why.
4: Yeah, I, I think so when it comes back to those um, those four home test matches in particular, we know it's almost certainly going to be four seamers. Uh, potentially Michael Bracewell may fit in at seven, so there may only be, uh, you know, so then Kyle Jameson at 8 if he, it'll if be he split, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, so then the, the door shuts for him pretty quickly there. If Bracewell's injured, maybe they'll go down the Eshodi route, potentially a could come in. But he's certainly down the list, isn't he? You know, because they've made it pretty clear that, And Michael Bracewell is their type of player in that Test side.
1: Mm. Brilliant, Aidan. Always appreciate your input, sir.
4: No worries, staff. Have a good afternoon. You too, buddy.
1: Um, Great man out of Hawks Bay. There, Um, interesting thoughts.
4: And I just get—I'd
1: love to have a Nathan Lyon. I'd love to have a—you know—every team. I feel like every team in the world's got a really good spinner, except us. We've got slow bowlers. We haven't got spinners. Uh, some texts that are coming. Um, James says, hey, Staffy, I used to really be into the black caps and cricket, but but I couldn't go with Spark. Now I'm used to living without it, used to living without cricket. Um, New Zealand cricket grounds are prepared more for seam and pace, aren't they? Should we get in Vittori involved? Maybe. They are, and, and I'm not saying – Well, we do name slow bowlers, for New Zealand Test Matches, we usually have one. Uh, I think Michael Bracewell's probably the most recently used. But they're not spinners, they're slow bowlers. And I, I have a real distinction between the two. And you know, I mentioned to an earlier caller, what they hold up an end to give our pace bowlers a rest. And we've been blessed with really good pace bowlers, seam bowlers, swing bowlers, for a long, long time. And we win Test Matches, we draw Test Matches with our pace attack. But I just don't see us having an importance around spin, developing spin. I might not. I might be completely wrong that underneath test level, um, maybe in domestic cricket, they, there is a bit of work going on with developing them. But if you're a young fella in the driveway and you're 12 years old, um, do you aspire to be a spin bowler? Is there a New Zealander that you aspire to be? Um, flicking the wrist or spinning the fingers? As opposed to Tim Southey, Trent Bolt, Neil Wagner these guys, Adam Milne now, big congrats to him getting a contract, I'm just not sure Um, this one here Staffy on the subject of contracts, I was interested to hear on a podcast with Adam Parori recently that he was earning about 200k per annum when he finished up in early 2000, he happened to mention that Matthew Ridge was comfortably the highest paid New Zealand sports person of that era earning 800,000 plus Ridge's figure surprised me, seemed very high for those days 800K, so that would have been Manly, I guess. And he wasn't playing Origin, um, played for the Kiwis.
5: Gee, 800K back in that day, that's like unheard of. That can't be right. Or or that surely is like all his endorsements. Or inflation adjusted? Maybe. There's no way they were paying 800K to players back then because I remember guys getting 800K. Like I remember when Dally Cherry Evans announced his contract at Manly and it was over a million dollars a year. That was insane back in, I think that was in 2012. Well, twenty thirteen or something. And I remember that being insane money. Being well, like, wasn't, that's wasn't Jason
1: Tomorrow the first million dollar player? No. And I he think signed a ten year deal.
5: He signed a ten year deal. It was over a million. You you might even be right there, but I remember Daddy Cherry Evans' money being crazy high and just being like, That's insane. So man, I'd find it hard to believe that eight hundred K was being thrown around back then. Mm. But maybe maybe it was um, endorsements and stuff. That would make a lot of sense if mm. it included a whole bunch of other stuff. You know the um the thing that always gets me about cricket is And can I use a rugby league example? I mean, look, take your your pick, rugby union, rugby league, football. You don't grow up in a certain part of the world and have your coach say, right, we play on really muddy fields down here. So we're going to teach you how to kick for corners. And that is what we're going to pride our game on because we're going to play on muddy fields down here. Like no other sport in the world, is so dictated by the pitch that is played on. And the fact of the matter is we don't train spinners because we don't have spinning wickets. That is why we don't do it. We, we make wickets that are seamer friendly and that is our bread and butter. And in the world of cricket, like the, the, the modus operandi in cricket is win at home. Like no team really wins away from home. Even the Austra- I mean, the, there are some exceptions, like the Australian cricket team of the 2000s, and you could argue the current Australian team has the ability to win overseas. But I bet if you looked at it, staff, that their win rate would still be only like 30% overseas, mm. away from home. It's it's such a weird sport in that it's all about the home track and the home advantage. I don't know what the solution is to that, whether you get drop pitches that just get put in every venue and that's what you play with so you get the same thing every time. But that's the reason why we don't care about spinners. Now, I want spinners. I want us to make wickets that are spin-friendly because we're never going to succeed overseas. I want a
1: Shane Warne. I want a Rashid. Yeah, I but,
5: want... Why, but if you're New Zealand cricket, why would you? If you? If you're looking at your business plan over 10 years and you say, right, if we finish here in the World Test Championship, if we make another couple of World Cup finals, this is the money we're going to bring. If we have this tour here, if we're able to bring India here, we get this much money, etc. All we've got to do is maintain a fifty percent win rate. We do that by playing at home against Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. We make SEMA friendly wickets. We bowl seamers. We win games. Yes, we're not going to win overseas, but who cares? We get like it's almost that's what it feels like. Yeah. We're just surviving by doing that. But the reality is, and this is, I'm almost as confident in this as I am that the All Blacks aren't going to win the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> We are never going to be the best test team in the world and and despite us winning a test championship, which you can go back and look at all the factors that led to us actually getting there and winning that, but we are never going to be in Australia or in India or in England in terms of the test level unless we have a world-class spinner because we're never going to win away from home. We're never going to win in India. We're never going to win you know, in Australia. We haven't been able to do that unless we have a world-class spinner. So... You know, it's yeah. Until we shake this thing of well, we're just going to make seam-friendly wickets in New Zealand and play pace bowlers. We're never going to go anywhere. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, we've gone through a golden era that's got us by. But gee, if you want me to be real cynical here, Steph? I'll God, be really cynical here. Get ready to go to a break. Because, I will. Yeah. Okay. Get really cynical here because if you really do drill into what has been a golden era for New Zealand cricket, I'm doing the quotation marks golden era. I'd love to go back through all the teams we've beaten over the last 10 years, let's say, and figure out how many of those teams were actually the best teams in the world versus Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, et cetera. Like how many times did we beat India in India? How many times did we beat Australia in Australia? How many times did we beat England up in England? Yes, there'll be these little one and twos there, but by no stretch were we you know, the best team in the world. And then you look at the World Test Championship where we got there by beating all the minnow teams because the structure was flawed. Australia should have been in the final. They had a slow over overrate. They got docked run rate or points or whatever, and so we end up leapfrogging them. Like I said, I'm being very cynical here, but, you know, is does that have a part to play in this overinflated sense that actually we, we've been really, really good, you know, for a long... Like, maybe we haven't been as good as we think we are, because the true test is beating Australia
1: and Australia. When you look at it's our win-draw loss ratio, it's great. But when
5: you look yeah. at who we won and drew with, exactly. it's not. Until you beat Australia and Australia, until you beat India and in India, until you win a series in England, you're not... You can't call yourself the best team in the world, and maybe that's just cricket. Maybe I'm way off the mark there, but that—that's just how I view it
1: Mm. at the moment. A New Zealand golden era and an Australian golden era is very different (laughs) coloured gold. Oh heck yeah, Mm. heck yeah! We'll take a break.
0: Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: Ah, fun Scott from Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph. How you going? Good, buddy.
6: Um, I sort of just want to continue on what Sam was saying, and I, I think he's right to, a, to quite a good point, is, you know, it, it does come down to the teams you play. I mean, if we had to play each one of those teams home and away, um, it would completely change the outlook of, of, you know, of us getting through to the Test Championship at the time, and, and I mean, I'm not, not complaining because I'm very happy at the time to win it, um, but it's very similar to when you look at like a World Cup and that kind of thing as well. Not always the best team wins because it basically comes down to who you're playing. One side could be, you know, a lot easier and, and lesser teams than the other side who has to take on, you know, teams one, two, three and four. Um, and, and I think we did get lucky in that way who we did actually play along the time. And, and as you guys have said, if, if Australia didn't get penalised, we wouldn't have been there in the first place. And, I mean, thank goodness they did get penalised because, you know, we didn't want to see them win it two times in a row. Um <laughs> But um yeah, I think it, it does come down to a lot of who you you do come up against. And and we've had a very good uh you know, black caps team over the time. Um but I think we have been slightly favoured as well with with the opposition we have come up against.
1: Yeah, because we don't play the big three as often as the big three play each other. So it was a harder road for them to make it.
6: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think yeah, and I, I think a few of those that we got, if I remember rightly, were at home as well. So it would be totally different us going to the likes of England or Australia, um, India, even to South Africa as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we don't, gosh, we don't play South Africa very often, do we?
6: No, no, I was actually thinking about that the other day. You go through your head trying to think of when did we last go and play these teams um, overseas. And, I mean, we've got to play England a bit lately over there, which has been nice, and, and obviously India recently. But, you know, South Africa over there, we haven't played for a while. I think we've got Sri Lanka possibly coming up in a two series I think, over there. Um, but we haven't played them for a, quite a long time over there either. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Pakistan recently, so...
1: Yeah, more cricket, more spinners. That's what I want too. (laughs) Good on you, Scott. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Thanks for calling, buddy. (laughs) Thanks, Steph. Have a good afternoon. You too, mate. Um, Text here from Craig. Uh, The problem I see for young guys and girls growing up playing cricket is that once you get to rep selection teams, they normally only have one spinner. So to give yourself the best opportunity to get selected, you need to be a great great batter or bowler or all-rounder. If you're not the best batter... And relying on bowling, the best chance of selection is to be a seam bowler, usually three or four in a team, but only one spinner. And in this country, where spinners aren't selected, why bother learning the craft? I think there needs to be a change in mentality at the top, captain and coach, with regards to the spinners and the Black Caps. AJ should have played every test and could have been one of the best we've ever seen. I concur.
0: Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: I uh, had a text in, <clears throat> excuse me, from James saying, what time show me the money today, fellas? I want to have a crack, so I'll make sure I'm in the truck, hopefully. <laughs> um, looking at our rundown, 2.33. So just after the 2.30 news, all going according to plan. Uh, we've got Tony Johnson just after 2 o'clock as well. We've got The Chase at about 2.45 as well. And after the news, which is coming up very shortly, Nate Scott out of USA Today. He's a publisher and writer for them. Uh, talking about this big, big move of uh, Lionel, Lionel Messi to, what are they, Inter Miami. The Miami MLS soccer team. So um, it's pretty damn exciting. It's very, very exciting. Ticket sales are very expensive for his first game. More expensive than game three of the NBA playoffs. I've got five seconds to tell you what the score is. 2016 to
0: the Nuggets getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: Sounds like a Captain K special. You wouldn't have put that song on our little machine, Sammy. (coughs) Some text messages that come in in the last half hour. Fully agree with your staff. With Patel, you can see he has incredible potential. Ten wickets can't be a fluke. We really need to nurse our spinners. It's time we start to grow them and provide training and the right wickets for them. Uh, It's, as you say, a huge part of the game that we're missing. Growing up, all of us wanted to be like Shane Warne. You'd run around school trying to do a flipper. <clears throat> Cheers, Dave. Love your show. Good to hear from you, Dave. My nephew, my nephew Sam, could turn it square at eleven years old. Didn't have control of length or potentially even length, but he could, he could spin it. He could really spin it. And at eleven or twelve, about to enter high school, he liked rugby. He liked um, rugby league he liked running he wasn't huge on cricket but I could just see in this young fella he had the hardest thing if anyone was to try to learn to spin bowl was actually getting it to turn he could turn it like I took him to a grass pitch with a cricket ball he could turn it so I took him along to an academy um, and they just said oh yeah you can turn it but you know I think just seam up see how fast you can bowl now that's a long long time ago that's 20 years ago but I, I often say to him now, he's you know, he's 30 now, and I say, do you wish he had a tried tried a bit more of that? He, he's lived in Perth for about 10 years now. Um, and he sort of says, yeah, he sort of wished he had. He wished he had. Um, talking about Ritchie's 800K from Tim, says, that was Super League Wars. There were a few who got big bucks. 800K could be right in the Super League war times. Okay, fair cop. Fair cop. We'll go to the phone. Scott and Taranaki, you got a Scott?
7: Hey, mate. How you doing, Steffi? All good? Very good. That's good. Hey, I'm just going to come at this at a different angle with this with the Patel situation and New Zealand cricket's inability to use a spinner correctly on any surface that is available. Our fast bowlers, if it's Ferguson, Milne Jemison, um, uh, they're just the example. They break down. I believe New Zealand cricket has this obsession with bowling pace bowlers on their pitches and it and it, it's a detriment of the players because they're bowling 27 32 overs in a day and they're all having to do it because we don't have someone like a nathan lyon at the other end that can uh i guess take on some of that workload bowl long overs get five fizz but bowl you know 40 overs in a day mm-hmm. or even more in some in some respects sometimes aren't they we have this obsession of if a spinner can't get a wicket in the first four overs, that's the end of them. Yes. And we've seen it with Kane. We've, we've seen it with others. If they, they, oh, they've got to be wicket-taking spinners. No, what they've got to be is longevity spinners that can give us lots of overs and allow us to keep our fast bowlers fresh. Fast bowlers, in my opinion, guys who, who can generate anything over 130-odd k. Need to be nurtured a little bit they come on, they give you five, six overs, really good quick spurts, and that 's it, and then you rotate the next one and 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 you don't overwork them guys like Saudi bowling thirteen, fourteen overs in a in a in a one session it's just it always frustrates me that New Zealand is the only place that does it, whereas other teams like England Australia, South Africa blah 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 india they 'll bowl boomer you know or whatever all day. We won't do it. We consistently want a Neil Wagner who can bowl, you know, into the ground. Huh. You know, but he's a he's a rare breed, Neil Wagner, in my opinion, New Zealand. And we're very lucky to have a guy like him who can use different lengths to, you know, confuse batters and get them out and hopefully work them out. We need to use Patel. I believe I'm oh, a bit like that Texan before the news, I believe he is and would have been one of our greatest bowlers ever if we'd just used him correctly.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm nodding. I'm holding my hand up, saying I'm, I'm with you, Scott. And um, the opportunity's gone. He's on the wrong side of thirty, um, and I hope he gets a county cricket gig or something like that. And um, oh, yeah, I think he's a talent wasted.
7: Oh, absolutely. I see for Durham. He, he got ten for in a, in, a, in a match there only about three weeks ago.
1: Mm.
7: So, and he was turning it, man. He was gripping it early doors in English summer, and he's turning the thing, bowling beautifully. Mm. And I just think to myself, meth. New Zealand cricket, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Awesome, Scott. Thanks for calling, buddy. Cheers, bud. Cheers, man. Um, We're going to take a break now because we've got an appointment to talk to Nate Scott. He's a USA Today publisher and writer on this big news of Lionel Messi. He's signed. He's going to Major League Soccer playing for Miami.
0: Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: Well, the big football news of the day today is Lionel Messi is not off to Saudi Arabia. He's not off to Barcelona. He's off to the football, soccer hotspot of Miami. And joining us now, he's the publisher with USA Today, big football head, Nate Scott joins us. G'day, Nate. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, how excited, how surprised. Uh, tell us about your your initial reaction to the to the news that... One of the world's best ever soccer players is going to the
8: MLS. Uh, not a uh, little surprised. Excited, of course. A little surprised that it happened this quickly. I thought we were probably a year or two away. I thought that there was going to be a, a reunification with Barcelona. But... Uh, I think people who've been paying attention closely have noticed that he spent quite a bit of time in Miami. This has been a possibility for a while, and and here we are. What would his attraction
1: to be to Miami be over any other club in the world?
8: Um, Miami and MLS have made him a pretty interesting offer, and I think provided him a way to imagine his life after being a being a footballer, and that he can join the ownership group, become a leader with MLS, and basically take the the Beckham model, to be honest, um, where he can transition into being a football executive. They're going to give him uh, a very nice package that allows him to get a lot of revenue from around the league and, and eventually transition to being an owner for Miami. And then also, you live in Miami. It's a beautiful place, um, and... Messi, I think for the first time in his adult life, will be able to, you know, walk outside and be able to, you know, walk around. Yeah, <laughs> He'll get bugged a little bit, but it, it's not like it would be in Barcelona, you know, he, he'll be able to have a life here.
1: Can you tell me a bit about the structure of Major League Soccer then? Um, are all the teams privately owned, but overarched by league commissioners. Can you just sort of give me an, an explanation of how this the structure
8: is? It works like other American professional sports, which are closed leagues, franchises. um, And instead of a club basically being able to earn their way into the top flight via performance, uh, you earn your way into the top flight by having a rich owner pay a multi-hundred million dollar uh, franchise expansion fee, and then you are in the club. as such, MLS teams can have control over salary and control over trades and 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 sales in and out of the league in ways that almost no other league on earth can. Um, for instance, when a player is sold from an MLS club, uh, the, those profits are split between all the all the clubs. They've, uh-huh. they've since made some exceptions to that, but. Uh, It's very different from kind of the rest of world football and and functions a lot more like like a traditional American professional sports team. So what would you like
1: to see in the game, in the wider game in the U.S. with Messi's arrival?
8: So MLS is at an interesting inflection point in that their on-field product is better. Um, but not great. And a big problem is because of the closed structure and and MLS teams actually have a salary cap. So even if they had one very, very wealthy owner who wanted to spend a lot, um, he or she would not actually be permitted to under the league rules. And what that means is uh, MLS has some very, very good top players and some, horrible bottom players because that's the right way to sort of build a roster in, in terms of, of the amount of money you can spend, uh, which makes for a very bizarre product. You'll have Thierry Henry and Pirlo playing alongside guys who aren't that different from someone playing in a lower level in England, League Two, for instance. Um, and so for for me i think this is kind of i'm hoping that messi and the attention and the and the influx of capital he can bring uh, and attention he can bring to the league is kind of a wake up call for the league that they they can't keep focusing on bringing in big stars the beckhams the Messies, and hope that that solves their problem because the problem is when stars like that go away the fans go away and i think a, a real you know thing that i'm hoping to see here is that messi will do a bit of what previous stars have done. Wayne Rooney was a, a noted example of this, which is call attention to the fact that the, the salary level is way too low for the lower players. The quality of play isn't high enough. The teams fly commercial. They don't fly private. Um, and the, the, if Messi can kind of raise awareness for these issues and really sort of push the league forward in raising the quality and signing better players... Uh, I am hopeful that the the quality of the uh, you know the American soccer experiment will will improve. So
1: it'll be inevitable that as you say Messi will bring eyeballs he'll bring fans through the turnstiles at Miami home games and any games they play away I think um, what would you call them sort of latent soccer fans will probably go and watch but the big thing that they have to do is, turn a Messi fan into a Miami fan and they keep going and they keep buying merchandise and clicking over the turnstiles once he's gone. So what sort of steps do they need to take to, to cash in on these? I don't know how long he signed for, if it's two or three years. What, what do they need to do differently that they haven't done before with these marquee players?
8: They have to improve the television product. That's a big part of this Um i mean you see this with with the australian soccer league you see it in in new zealand you see it everywhere it's just it's very easy right now to watch the best soccer in the world and so that makes the product that's in your own backyard even if it is okay or good it why would you watch an mls game on tv when you could watch the premier league you know it's like it it just (laughs) it's it's better the television pr- product is better the game is better the players are better um and so that is i honestly think a huge part of it mls just signed a big deal with a big deal with apple tv is kind of this tr- attempt to go global with a streaming platform but it's an expensive subscription product are people really going to pay that to to watch mls maybe they will with messi but then Okay, you watch the messy game. And as you said, why why do you watch the next MLS game if you're not watching Messi play? And I think the TV experience has to be a big part of it. Um and then again, just just better roster development. If you look at the inner Miami roster right now, uh it's messy. <laughs> and that's about it. That's a horrible team. <laughs> and they've got DeAndre Yedlin and uh that's i mean I, I i was a professional soccer writer in this country for 10 years i can name about three players on that team they're just they're it's just not a very good squad and so that i mean that's going to be the problem and, and that's going to be i don't think mls fully understands how jarring an experience that is for a viewer to watch someone like because we've had Henri, we've had Pirlo, we've had rooney and when you see them playing with what a in comparison looks like a Sunday league footballer. It just, it kind of cheapens the experience. We're seeing this now much more pronounced with, with Ronaldo in, in the Saudi league, it, it, it looks silly when he's playing with these guys and MLS, isn't quite that drastic, but it, it, the quality and the roster depth needs to get better and they need to field real starting 11 teams of of high quality if they want to compete with the, with the big leagues in the world and the only way to do that is to free up money and to free up spending.
1: So what's the standard like and what's the structure like in the sport underneath MLS the, the college game the uh, between college and MLS. What's the landscape like for the sport in the US?
8: So they've done a lot of investment in kind of youth development once A few smart MLS owners, A, created some rules where they could get rewarded for developing players and then selling them, and then realized that that was the best way to be competitive was actually not to hope that you would land a Messi or a Beckham, but was actually to develop that young talent. And and that happened only in the last five or 10 years, but that investment resulted in Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams and, and Brendan Aronson and Wes McKennie are all now playing in the premier league, like that, that bit of investment, um, has really helped, uh, and, and those youth programs tend to be run through the MLS clubs themselves as kind of academies, but now we're starting to build out semi-professional leagues, USL, USL two, which, uh are essentially acting as kind of it, it operates a bit more like the Spanish league where a lot of the Serie B teams are just kind of youth teams for or B teams for for La Liga sides. Um uh, Liga B. Um and so it's getting better. College is still an option. And the American college game is actually doing a bit to try and get more competitive. They used to just play three months out of the year. They now play year round to try and attract talented footballers in ways that they were losing them to these development programs. So it's, it's good. It's interesting. It's fun. America is a big country. I will say a lot of these lower level teams are getting much more creative with their jerseys and developing fun styles of play and doing sort of the interesting things but with with a locked MLS with a locked top division they just they will never get the investment because no owners are going to come in and spend because there's there's a cap on what they can kind of achieve yeah cuz you you
1: touched on something there like America is a big country a whole lot of people really good stadiums good academies across things but trying to make inroads on the likes of the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, they're the four cornerstones of American sport. And we see it in other countries like Australia's Aussie rules, cricket, NRL, um, the A-League football and rugby, and as hard as rugby and and soccer in, in Australia go, they just can't make inroads on those sort of top three. And, and I'm wondering, could they go to like a college draft system into the, into the MLS, uh, are there links between the top soccer colleges in America into an in MLS team? Do they need to string some sort of umbilical cord between the top colleges and their their local MLS team?
8: They've done a super draft before, but the the teams now are thinking that by the time kids get to college, it's too late. Which I don't know if that's really intelligent thinking. I actually. Uh, A New Zealand reference here, I had a really interesting conversation with with Simon Elliott about uh, how he thought America's college system actually was an advantage because in countries where soccer isn't part of the culture as kind of a top, top, top sport, footballers need more time to develop. And a lot of times the American college system, which he came through and then rode all the way to the Premier League, or someone like Clint Dempsey, um, who played with him at Fulham. That's something that that American college system allowed a player who maybe didn't blossom until he was 18 or 19 to kind of find a path to professional soccer in a way that, to be honest, in England, if you're 18, 19, and you're not already linked with a a top team, it's over. Like you, Mm. you, you're kind of written off. It's a very, very rare exception. Someone like Jamie Barty, who can, who can break that rule. But I think you bring up a good point and especially in countries like the United States, like New Zealand, like, like Australia, where, where soccer will always be a little bit down the pecking order. Um, A lot of times footballers, it's not like you're born into it. It's not like you're messy, ready to sign for Barcelona at age six. Like you, you you have to find yourself, you have to find the game. And that, and that American college system actually can be a, a pretty good way to to extend that career and, and allow players to find a, a path in late. And the, the most recent example of this last thing I'll say on it is, is Matt Turner who's now the arsenal backup goalie. Matt Turner was a, didn't start playing soccer till he was 16 years old. Um, he's now an arsenal as, as their backup keeper and played for United States every game in the world cup. Mm. Um, that doesn't happen in many other countries but the fact that he was able to find find the game play in soccer play in college find a way to MLS and then become the best goalie in the country in his mid 20s is you know a testimony to to, to that system and the, the ability to kind of find some time for players to develop talking to Nate Smith uh, sorry
1: Nate Scott over there in the United States publisher USA today just the last thing i wanted to know about was the the structure of MLS. So you've you've got Messi, and you've talked about you know your eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh ranked player, and your starting eleven is is a million miles away skill level. Is it mainly apart from the rock stars? Is it mainly Americans making up rosters, or do you have other? Do you have Chileans, Argentinians, South Africans making up your squads?
8: There's a big South American pipeline coming up right now. And uh, there was one player, Diego Valeri, an Argentine, who played for Portland, who really became a a huge ambassador to Argentina um, and and did a lot with youth players over there, basically saying, come up here. It's safer to live. Um, You know, you can have a nice life. MLS will showcase you to the European clubs, and it's a wonderful stop on your way in your career or a place to make a career mm. um and that resonated with a, a lot of the young players i think messi is only now going to it that will multiply 10x that that argentina to mls pipeline mm. and some mls clubs have gotten very smart about recruiting young uh, south american central american talent um mm with the express purpose of trying to sell them on a few years later. MLS never used to do this. It was they never wanted to do it. It's All Americans or kind of aging stars. And there was this whole thing of we're not a selling league. We're a buying league. Selling is bad. And then a few owners basically said, you know what? No, we're going to we're going to go find young talent and we're going to promise them and tell them that this is a stop along the way. And the first big success with that was Miguel Almirón, who's now with Newcastle and had an incredible season in the Premier League. He signed with Atlanta United, and everyone knew he was only going to be there for two or three years. But he developed; he played incredibly well. Atlanta started selling seventy thousand seats per game to to watch him and that that team play, and then he moved on to the to the Premier League. And so, you know that. Right now is what gets me excited about the league is that kind of young pipeline of south and central american talent that comes through and then you'll have the odd european you'll have the odd players from africa but that's really kind of what it is right now it's mostly americans and then uh mostly from argentina argentina paraguay a few central american countries that's where that's where the talent is right now Mm.
1: really interesting stuff nate uh, i appreciate you chatting to us out of the states today uh building towards it's a wee while off but the world cup's going to be in the states uh, it'll jump out at us before we even know it and let's hope um over the next few years you can develop some americans and um it's potentially a sleeping giant the mls and um it's it's a watch the space and i will definitely be watching all of messi's games uh first time i'll watch mls i don't mind putting my hand up and saying it quite
8: all right welcome
1: Uh, we normally talk to Brenna Popperwell on a Thursday, but he's failed as HIA. So, uh, 18th man's been called in, uh, Paulie Mowadi. Paulie!
9: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I did it fail my HIA?
1: <laughs> You've had one for years. You're used to play with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
9: My, my, uh, my, I guess, what do you call it, baseline is a lot different to others.
1: <laughs> Easier to pass, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're in the middle of Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Um, this is better. 49 Denver, 46 Miami. One and a half to go to half-time. Maintaining interest is Denver Slam Dunk. Another one home to go 51-46.
9: Yeah, and before the off uh, this afternoon, uh, the, the, I, I guess the betting in that head to head market was fairly even. Uh, I expected a wee bit more money to flow the way of the Miami Heat with them being back at home and picking up a winning game, two in Denver. Uh, but it was fairly even, almost dollar for dollar. So um, punters were struggling to split these two. And I think Miami were around the 220, 225 mark. Just before uh, the uh, tip-off at around twelve thirty this afternoon, they're now out to a two seventy-five. The Denver Nuggets are a dollar forty as we approach halftime in Game Three of the NBA Finals.
1: Um, I want you to go to the French Open tennis, please, Paulie. Uh, mixed doubles final, final going for another Grand Slam title. Michael Venus. And his partner Bianca Andrescu who's a former US Open singles winner, actually, um, are they favourites against the unseeded Putz and Kato?
9: No, they're slight outsiders. They're a dollar ninety-two. Andreescu and Venus up against Kato and Puetz at a dollar seventy-seven. Uh, the first set winner, uh, Kato and Putz, are a dollar eighty. Uh, Andrescu and Venus $1.87 and in the sets betting um, there's been a wee bit of action there. Um, they don't mind Andrescu and Venus 2-1 at
1: $4. Now Tim Puetz, he was uh, Michael Venus's doubles partner when I think they won about three titles and uh, in my research here's something for you. Kato, her favourite surface is hardcourt. Puetz has never done any good on clay unless he's with Venus. I think it's a smoky roughie
9: Oh well, to be fair, that's where the money's going mm. uh, in the head-to-head market. they are taking uh, our boy Michael Venus with his Canadian uh, partner uh, in the head-to-head and also, as I said, in the sets betting, they don't mind him uh, winning that 2-1 at $4. So, yeah, hopefully um, things go the way of Michael Venus and he picks up another um, Grand Slam Doubles Uh, title.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Um, My daily watch on the Brumbies Hurricanes market. Uh, I know the Brumbies have shortened a little bit on opening. Do you feel like just looking at uh, the liabilities on those, there might be another move one way or the other?
9: It's very hard to tell with the Hurricanes because we usually pick up um, quite a bit of money on them uh, in that last two or three hours in the lead-up to kick-off. So there's a wee bit of time to go before then. Um, but the early surge was for the Brumbies. Then we saw a bit of money come the way of the Hurricanes, and now we're seeing a wee bit more coming for the Brumbies. So if that Brumbies money continues to come, we might see them uh, come into $2 or maybe even odds-on. Um, but we do, I think the bookies, they're quite keen to hold the Canes as much as they can um, in anticipation of that late money that we usually see on Artie Saver and his uh, band of merry Hurricanes.
1: And since the quarter-finalists have been found in the overall market, um, I don't expect there would have been money on the Drua or the Reds or the Waratahs. But what about, aside the Chiefs and Crusaders, who's been the best back between the Blues, Hurricanes, Brumbies?
9: Uh, the Blues. Uh, who are on that third line of betting at $4.50 here. They've been pretty popular throughout the season. I think they uh, may have even been close to favourites at one stage during the season, um, the Blues, or or almost equal favourites. So, yeah, they're the best-backed outside of the Chiefs and the Crusaders. And, of course, we always take money on the Hurricanes. Um, They're $10 currently, two in Super Rugby Pacific 2023. Um, But, yeah, the Chiefs and Crusaders... Uh, by far and away, the two best back teams in that out- outright winner book.
1: Magnificent. Actually, very quickly, uh, Warriors, Raiders. Really hard to go over to Canberra and when over there. They've put, a, put together a pretty good season, the Raiders. Um, but we've got a pretty good team. Fairly similar to last week, except I think for one change in the centres.
9: More than twice as much turnover on the Warriors in the head-to-head market than on the Canberra Raiders. Warriors two fifty, the Raiders a dollar fifty. They they just love the Warriors at the moment, uh, punters. So yeah, they're jumping on two fifty for the Warriors. The boys have also put out a uh, boosted uh, market on Sean Johnson to score a try at any time, out from four fifty to five dollars. Of course, he picked up a double last weekend against the Dolphins, and he seems to have. Uh, an ability to perform or to be involved in crucial parts of the game when they play the Raiders. I I remember last season, I think he kicked a field goal in extra in golden point time to win uh, the game against the Raiders. I think he actually kicked two field goals in in Canberra um, three or four seasons ago. Um, to beat the uh, Canberra Raiders. So he doesn't mind playing them, and so the bookies have uh, boosted him to score a try at any time, 4.50 out to 5, and that has been picked up by punters as well.
1: Mm, it's just a matter of faith. Oh, come on, <laughs> boys. Awesome, buddy. Good chatting, mate. Enjoy your day. Very good. Thanks, Steph. Have a good one, mate. See you, buddy. You too. time in Game 3 of the NBA Playoffs, Denver Nuggets 53, Miami Heat, 48, and I'm just looking at uh, Novak Djokic. Is that what Beaver called him? I can't remember. Um, what's he done? He's uh, He's got 12 rebounds, 7 assists, and 14 points. He's three assists away from a triple-double already, and it's only half-time. What a player he is. 53-48 to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll find out from... Our newsroom, our alternative newsroom. What's making news?
0: Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: What's making news around the world?
1: Let's find
5: out. Staff, I want to take you to Italy, if I may.
1: I'd love I've never been.
5: In fact, I want to take you to Venice.
1: Oh, even better.
5: Because you'll be gutted to hear that yesterday. Actually, no, it is today. Uh, Prince Emanuele Filiberto of Savoy. Gee announced that he was abdicating the throne, the 50-year-old. He was abdicating the throne. He also revealed that he'd be handing the title down to his 19-year-old daughter, princess not Victoria, vittoria of Savoy. Now, I know what you're thinking.
1: <laughs> How do you know what I'm thinking?
5: I don't know what you're thinking, but I feel like I know what you're thinking and that is, wow, 19 years old to be the, the literally the princess of uh Italy, which obviously could mean she could turn into the queen of Italy, right? Yep. I know and you've looked her up, and I'll tell you. I know why you looked her up because she is a social media influencer, staff She has eighty one thousand nine hundred followers on her Instagram account. So this is the this is the current age we live in, people. Where wow, a, where an Instagram influencer is about to become the queen of Italy.
1: Unbelievable. In what regard? That an influencer would be um, become a queen, or is it the country? Yeah, or the district.
5: It says here, an influencer could soon sit on the Italian throne after Italy's Prince of Venice announced that he won't be laying claim to his country's crown. Wow. Wow. I thought when you abdicated, you like gave up your whole like family line. No, it definitely. Did,
1: I it didn't. Um, oh, the Royal South. Someone abdicated, which either gave Queen Victoria the throne or something hmm. like
5: that. Okay. Back in, the, back in the day. Back in the day. Um Victorian Italy, times. Italy. Hey, the prince. Yes, eh? um, so good on you, Vittoria. Reminds me of Daniel Vito- Vittori. Vittoria. Vittoria. Um, now we jump over the pond and go to Massachusetts. Massachusetts, USA. Massachusetts, yeah. And not quite Boston, <laughs> but we're over there in Massachusetts. And I'll take you to Westford, uh, Westford Academy staff which isn't a, isn't a big school it's it's a general just sort of public school mm. and they've just graduated their high school class of 2023 congrats okay generally happens around this time of year oh my Facebook memories actually my graduation came up from uh, 12 years ago can't believe it's been that long mm. um, now they've graduated get this 15 sets of twins Ooh. and one set of triplets in one class.
1: what's in their water supply or...
5: Well, funny you say that. So, remarkable given that there's only a few hundred kids per year, right? Any given year of a school year might be, what, 300 kids? Yeah. 30 of those are twins and three of them are triplets. Is there a dominating religion or something? The head teacher like- of the school puts it down to good water. Oh, really? But it's more like a completely statistical anomaly. Um, it, it does... A sort of scream scientific study and that is the case. It is actually an ongoing case study. So I don't know whether they all put them in there for the for the study. Uh, you know, they pulled all the twins around Massachusetts to go to Westford or I don't know, Staff. But but crazy that fifteen sets were in one class. Amazing. And I'll just to throw it into context how rare it is for you. One hundred and fourteen thousand twins born last year in America out of three point six million total births. So it's rare to it's have incredibly twins. Incredibly rare. Yeah. Have 15 in one class. And finally, you might have been listening to Johnny Mac's news. Um, Always, religiously. And you would have heard about the air quality mm. pandemic, almost, that is sweeping the American East Coast. And I had the story here, um, arguably before Johnny, but I'll let him have that little win, uh, <laughs> that New York City has the worst air quality at the moment of any major city in the world. Really? The equivalent, if you spend an hour in the air in New York today, it's the equivalent of smoking six cigarettes for your lungs.
1: So are they now worse than like Beijing? And As it
5: stands right now. So um, the current air quality is unhealthy for every single person and the PM 2.5 concentration is currently 24.9 times the World Health Organization's annual air quality guideline value. So they need a hurricane. Now, PM2.5 concentration is the fine particulate matter that is in the air and the smoke that is lingering as a result of the wildfires up in Canada. Ah. Um, Just a few days ago, get this, just a few days ago, New York City was enjoying an air quality index of around 15. That is considered good, a good range of air quality. Uh, After the smoke drifted from Canada, it is now at 187. Ten times worse. Yeah, 15 to 187, equivalent of six cigarettes a day. Uh, And you remember when the Black Caps played up in India and it was real foggy, everyone thought it was, well, we thought it was smog, but um, Simon Dool told us it was fog, didn't he? Or he said it was fog? No, he said it
1: was smog, wink. I said it was fog, wink. Wink. Yeah, sure for the broadcast i've got a fact for you go on
5: now i was watching a documentary last night and that's where i came across this And i thought i'd bring it to your attention and it's it's probably not going to shock a lot of people and some people probably have heard this before staff yourself included is this a
1: stat or a story no no to... it's
5: a bit of a story okay. it's um why are tigers do you know why tigers are orange
1: i like to try and guess yeah
5: because well but on paper it doesn't make sense right like it's orange not is camouflage. Correct. Yeah. It's the brightest thing in the damn woods unless you're in a Desert with orange sand? True, I don't actually, know. yeah, I don't but know. they're quite often stalking from the bushes. Mm. So humans, we have uh, triomatic colour vision, right? So we see, I don't know, three different spectrums, whatever, that come in and get filtered. Oh, the blue, and, red, and green, yeah. and the mixture of those make every colour. I get that, yeah. So, yes. But, but um, a lot of uh, terrestrial mammals, including dogs, cats, horses, and deer, have dichromatic colour vision. That means their redness contain cones for only two colours. That is blue and green, so deer don't actually see the colour orange, brown. They actually see it as a green. And on this doc I was watching, they they get a guy to sit in front of a TV and point out where the tiger is on the screen. And he, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. That's easy. There it is. Yeah, because it's bright orange. Then they put some glasses on him that only allows him to see in um, blue, blue and green. And it's completely camouflaged. You cannot see it almost at all. It just blends totally into the environment.
1: Which is what that explains when you see a tiger stalking prey and they don't even see it. Oh, can't yeah, you see it?
5: Exactly. That's what. No, you they can't. I'm going to take it one step further though, Steph, oh, because you'd ask you you'd ask yourself, why orange though? Why wouldn't you just make your skin color green? It's because mammals only have. I think it's two. Sort of variations of cells that, that for their skin, for their fur colour. And I think it's brown and whatever it might be, something else, maybe it is orange. So what they did is they couldn't make it green. So they did the next best thing I'll make it a colour that the deer can't, can't see anyway. So I'll make it orange. And it appears to them to come out as green. There was an intelligent, it's an elaborate web of, there, of
1: there, tiger evolution. There was a, a tiger scientist who was smart back in the day.
5: And can I tell you this as well, Steph
1: Tigers don't even know they're orange. Oh,
4: because they look at themselves and they think
1: they're green. Correct. It's like I look in the mirror and I think I'm handsome. I'm blind. I thought you were going to say you look like a different colour, but no. Tiger Staff. Yeah. Save your fact. What's the fact, mate? Oh, it's a brilliant fact. Yeah. I've got one for you after the break.
0: Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: So, my stat of the day, Sam, remember I talked about the first half, uh, Jokic had 13 points, 11 rebounds and 7 assists so far in the first half. That's the ninth time he's had at least 10 points, 10 rebounds and 5 assists in a playoff. Nine times he's done it. Wow. Only two players have done it three times. He's done it nine, two other players have done it three times. Can you guess who the two players are? Can I get an error? Um, like even just like a like
5: last re- twenty years, recent. very La- recent,
1: last ten years. What was it? What were the points again? Ten points, ten rebounds, five assists in a first Giannis? half of a playoff game. Giannis is one.
5: And what's his last name? Antetokounmpo. Yes, very good. And
1: LeBron. Yes, Sammy, Sammy, let's go. go, go. Oh. Let's go. You cannot outstep a stat man. Come on, Sammy the the man. He's going to bring you the call from Mount Smart tomorrow night. People are going to think oh, we from that Mount whole Smart. thing, I, I swear. You went out, and I was worried you weren't going to get back from the kitchen. Um, it's not in Mount Smart, it's at Bruce Stadium, whatever it's called now in Canberra. Warriors, Raiders, live on The Big Show. Sammy Enchie.
0: From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: We're just going 2 o'clock very shortly, talking to Tony Johnson, uh, Sky Sport rugby commentator. Uh, does a wonderful job, as we all know. We're going to play Show Me The Money just after the 2.30 news, the chase after, after Show Me The Money. And we'll have a look back in the day. It's always a fun last half hour. It's always very informative, the first half hour, which we're kicking off now, talking to the great man, TJ. Welcome in. Hello, Staffy. Ah, uh, Super Rugby quarter finals. I've had a text message that I've been saving um, as well, which I want to get to you uh, with as well. But first of all, the under-20s, the nursery of the, the young Wallabies and the young New Zealanders, uh, they had a game at NZCIS, they had a game at Sky Stadium, it ended up one all. But from what I saw, TJ, Wallabies team looked pretty good.
10: They did. They they look very good. Uh, they've got a number of players who've been playing uh, at a, at a high level. Uh, what was most impressive about them? Well, very direct in their back play, but they actually beat the New Zealand team up. and And I don't mean just beat them. They beat them up at scrum time. And they won the first game, in Australia. They won it impressively. And the second game, it was very tight. New Zealand scored some good tries. And there's some real talent in that, uh, particularly in the back line. Yes, as a Peter Luckeye at number eight. We know what an explosive runner with the ball he is. Harry Godfrey, who every time I see him, he just impresses more as, as a playmaker of the future. Playing at fullback, but I think he's a guy who's definitely got the ability to play uh, at, at number 10. It seems to be the way these days. Uh, with a lot of young players coming out of school. They don't know enough about controlling the game. They haven't been taught enough about controlling the game at school. So they start off at fullback uh, when they get to first-class rugby, and, and they go from there as they learn to read the game. And, and, and Godfrey looks like one of those players. Springer and Tungitau on the wings, uh, you know, proven talent there. Uh, but they're not going to win anything if they can't sort their scrum out. Um, there were some of them when they got a bit better as the game wore on. But there were times where they were just absolutely munched by the Australians. So I think uh, Clark Laidlaw, I think the the, the big takeaway from that is that he's got to get um, the right people on the job and, and, and sort that scrum out. If they can do that, then I think they've got the potential to do really well at the, uh, the under 20s. Uh, the World Championship, but if, if not, then um, it's hard to see them contending if they're going to get beaten at scrum time.
1: When is that um, Under Twenties Worlds? Because it's in South Africa. I know where it is, yeah, but I I'm not know. just not sure yeah, when. I think there's a,
10: it's, it's, a, it's a few weeks away yet, so they've got they've got a bit of time. It's. I, I can uh, probably Google it while I'm talking. Oh,
1: um, <laughs> well, let's see if I can. Uh, what have I found here? Here we go.
10: Under Twenty World Cup. Uh, da-da-da-da-da. June, oh no, no, it's actually, it's uh it's actually uh, starts 24th of June, so we're we, a yeah, couple of weeks couple away, a couple of weeks um, away, yeah,
1: It's interesting, interesting, I'm going hit... to
10: hit, run through to the 14th of July,
1: yeah, nice, all right, well, uh, keep watching, brief on that, South Africa always hard on those, and France are very well, good on those,
10: and they come out of school looking in, you know, like full beast mode. Yeah. Uh, I can remember when they we, we had the tournament in New Zealand. Oh, must be going back a while now um, because Damien McKenzie, uh, that was when he really first started catching the eye. And Maro Otoji was playing for England. I think they won it, but the South African team was just enormous. And, you know, it, they have a very interesting diet at school. In, in, in
1: South Africa and I'll leave it at that yes I know and you know someone that went to school over there and said that um, yeah, the nutritionist was very different to what we understand as a nutritionist but I will leave that there as well yeah um, I wanted to ask you, we've well, had a text in here. It just says, hey, Staffy, have you heard the Highlanders are losing a lot of the players? Smith, Hunt, Gregory, Umanga, Jensen, Dixon, Banks, Paripari, Parkinson, uh, Marino 2, Karoi, Lenches, Fatuli how can they possibly compete next year? Why do they all want to leave? If half those names are true, TJ, that's a concern for the Highlanders.
10: Yeah, no, I, look, I haven't heard that. Staffy and and frankly it's it I mean it sounds terrible if it if it's even half true. Mm. Um yeah, but I I I really I can't say anything about that. I think you know, it was a disappointing year. Um and look, to me I would hope that they would all sit down and have a decent review of the season, figure out where they wanna go, what they wanna do, what they wanna be, uh before people start you know, just saying, I'm I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. Um, but at the, at, at that stage, I made if it's at that stage, just the stage is it's it's just a room. I haven't I haven't yeah. heard it's not to say that it I may not either. be happening. But but I, yeah, I yeah. Tough I
1: mean, old season things, for them. You know, yeah. Um, so to these ones actually um, Rumours are that we're going to hear Also Vern Cotta sign um, The Blues are quite happy and comfortable That they're, they're not going to be rushed into the decisions so They want to get the playoffs out of the way Which I think is fair um, uh, Well
10: yeah Vern, Vern's in a bit of demand though Because he's got a good reputation in France mm-hmm. I, I know that the Blues definitely Have, have been looking at him um, I mean they were you know, looking at uh, Clark Laidlaw as well. And of course, Dave Rennie, who was in a situation where, you know, there was a bit of an auction going on. The Blues wanted him. He was wanted in Japan as well. And and that's the thing. If it comes down to money in the end, um, then you sometimes forced into a, a situation or you find yourself in a situation where you're just being used to lever a contract somewhere else. Or, uh, you know, so, so, yeah, I think if they if they want Vern Cotter I think he'd be a really good fit but uh, I think that one of the clubs in France are pretty keen on him as well.
1: Mm. And one other thing before we get into the games list of um it's been confirmed after Toulon after the World Cup 19 month contract um, he, he, he hasn't said he wants to come back but he said the black jersey still holds an appeal but the one quote I got that that he actually said, and I'll read it word for word, the real excitement for me, while he's good money, the real excitement is competing against some of the best international players in the world every week, and the majority of them are up there. And I went, wow. Um, I don't know if I've heard a rugby player saying the majority of the best players in the world are in the Northern Hemisphere, but when you consider South Africa play up there now, he might have a point.
10: Oh, he might, yeah, um yeah. you could probably put up that argument um, if, if you include Japan uh, as part of the northern hemisphere. I, I think, with uh, when you're going to too long, uh, you know, and good luck to the guy. So I just remember some of the skating comments that uh, the, the owner of the club has made about players over the years. Julian Savia was one of them. Mm. Um, you go to too long, you're taking a risk. Yes, because. If you don't come up, not so much the coach, but the bloke who owns the club, if you have a, a bad run, you don't come up to expectations, and he'll treat you like muck. And, and, and that's the risk that you take when you go to a club like too long. But as I say, good luck to him. I'm sure he'll be a hit up there if, if everything goes well for him.
1: Righto. Blues uh, host the Waratahs, who Waratahs can be awful or they can be good. They're going to have to be something better than they've been all season to trouble the Blues, you'd imagine.
10: Well, they they had a good run uh, in the middle of the competition. Didn't make a good start. And then uh, I think they won four or five games on the trot and that got them into the playoff picture. But they come into this one uh, on the back of uh, two defeats um, and, and, you know, pretty unimpressive as well. Uh, particularly, they just were flat as a pancake. Um, they, they got beaten by the Crusaders. You know, that's fair enough. But then flat as a pancake against Moana, Pacifica, they came up with a really good performance, you know, right at the end of the season. Uh, they were missing a few, and look, they're, they're, you look at them on paper. There, there's there's some talent in that side. The forward pack, you know, you've got Hannigan and Holloway, a very uh, mobile second row Swinton, who, you know, he, he's a player who uh, he could be a really good player if, if, if he just, you know, the overload switch just gets flicked far too easily. Um, not long back off a a, a six week. Uh, banned for what the Australians themselves would call a dog act, a tackle in a game that was just designed to hurt someone. So, I mean, he's a player who can be very damaging, but sometimes in the wrong ways. And then you've got Michael Hooper uh, playing what will probably be his last ever game at Eden Park when you consider that uh, the uh, um, test matches are not being played at Eden Park this year. I think the Australian game is down, uh, down south, isn't it? Uh, Springboks at Mount Smart. So uh, Michael Hooper gets one more chance to win a game at Eden Park. All all the um, likelihood is that he'll be be moving away at the end of this season. He's been a great player, uh, played some great rugby for the Waratahs. They've won a title while he's been there, but he's never, ever in any team won a game at Eden Park. So what more incentive could you get than that? Um, And look, the Blues weren't very impressive last week in in what was not a very good game at all uh, at Eden Park, uh, the game against the Highlanders. They'll need to be a lot better. They've lost uh, Patrick Tuipalotu, so they've got a bit of a makeshift second row um, with uh, Tom Robinson moving into partner James Tucker. But I think if they can get some ball, they've certainly got the back line to win the game, the Blues, but they'll need to play a lot better than they did last week.
1: Yeah, and I didn't think I'd be sitting here looking at Bryce Heem going, gosh, what an important uh, uh, cog in the Blues' backline," as he's been brilliant for them this year.
10: Yeah, underrated player, Bryce Heem. Mm. Because um, there's a lot of proven, you know, star quality, um, name up and lights type players uh, around him. But what he brings is just such a direct line of attack and such a, a strong, um, you know, a powerful sort of running style that he, he's giving them gain line every time he touches the ball. And uh, he, he was a notable as uh, absent last week. He had a bit of a, an injury problem and they decided not to risk him. Uh, they they get and Barrett back for this one as well. That cut to to his uh, heel when he did it. We thought, oh, he's cut his heel. You know, he'll be right in a week's time. Well, it turned out that. Um, a, a, a few millimetres in another direction. It could have been absolutely uh, catastrophic for him because he uh, it was very close to his Achilles tendon. So mm. they've taken their time getting him back, but back he is. And so it's a much stronger look to the back line this week. No Caleb Clark, but A.J. Lamb, I mean, I, I don't think they miss a lot there. Caleb Clark's been very good chasing after kicks, particularly the Barrett kicks. But, but Lamb, we, we know he's a terrific player. And Mark Talia, after being denied last week, uh, has a chance to break a couple of records uh, th- th- this week. So, look, I-, I think I think the Blues, they'll definitely go in as favourites, and I think as long as they play reasonably well, they-, they should win it. But but I wouldn't take the Waratahs lightly.
1: And I guess the Chiefs won't take the Reds lightly, given that they got beaten by them, uh, albeit it was in New Plymouth. Um, Josh Lord will be locking the scrum with Brody Ritalic and a big game again for Sean Stevenson.
10: Yeah, um, in, in some ways, uh, whilst beating uh, the Chiefs in New Plymouth was, was great for the Reds, and that was one of the results that got them into the playoff mix, um, you know, there's, there's always the danger of a backlash, mm. and they're not going to catch anyone by surprise this weekend. Their form, though, in the last two or three weeks ha- has fallen away a bit, too, um, and, and that's the thing that both the Waratahs. And the Reds are not bringing convincing form into the playoffs. Look, I I, I still have, you know, much as well all the respect you have for the Crusaders and their ability, uh, their second to none ability, peerless ability to win rugby at this time of the year. Uh, I I still have the Chiefs as slight favourites to win Super Rugby, so that means they're not going to lose to to the Reds this week.
1: How close can the draw get to the Crusaders, TJ?
10: Well, if the game was being played. In, uh, in Nandi or Laotoka or in Suva, they'll probably be able to get very close. And that, yeah. that's the big challenge that they have. Um, they've taken a huge step this year. They, they have been a success story this year. They've, they've got great crowds in the games being played in Fiji. They play a terrific style of rugby as we expect. And they've introduced some real class. I mean, you um, um Massey, the centre, He's been as good as anything going this year. Uh, Ravovo in, in, the, in the middle of the park. You know, they're very dangerous, but we know what the Crusaders do. They, they look to control the game. Um, yes, they, they've been um, badly affected by injuries, particularly in their forward pack, but you know that they, they will have the ability um, to, to to edge the set-piece battle at least, if if not dominate it, and then uh, dictate use that to dictate where on the field the game will be played they just don't want to they just want to be careful they don't want to give them uh, any sort of turnover ball or loose ball or kick to the wrong players because you can get really burnt but um the brewer their form. Away from home, nothing like their form at home, um, and
1: you know again, it's hard to see an upset there. And then the one that's <clears throat> is the if there is a coin flip quarter final, it is the Brumbies hosting the Hurricanes, who've come, in, come off the, I think their best performance last week. Uh, Hurricanes go as the slightest of favourites to Canberra, which interests me. Um, the Brumbies far and away the best team in Australia, though.
10: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I think they're probably. If, if you're looking at a, a quarterfinal match where are the places you, you'd least want to play <laughs> uh, I think top of the list would have to be Christchurch uh, at the moment you probably wouldn't fancy Hamilton you probably wouldn't fancy uh, you know Suva if, if, if it mm. came to that mm. but but uh, but but you know the other place that it's almost up there with the crusaders and and, and the chiefs at the moment is 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 Canberra because the Brumbies do have such a good record there. Look, I, I this is a terrific match um, match up. This one, um, you know, with a bit of luck, it could have even been the other way around, and, and the Hurricanes could have been at home. But um, to me, they they've got the sort of game that can maybe break up um, the, the the way that the Brumbies like to to control the match, the way they like to dominate. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it so many times in the past. They're such a difficult team to beat. If they're able to control. And, and it's like the Crusaders, that they, they love to control whereabouts the game is being played on the field. And, and so, it, you know, it's going to come down to the quality of set-piece ball uh, that, that the Hurricanes can get. Um, but you, you just know that with a guy like Adi Savia leading the charge, um, he just sets such a terrific example uh, I think Lomax is just becoming a bit of a, a colossus of the, the game, particularly at this level. I, I think he really has emerged as New Zealand's number one tight head prop for sure. And, and you know, he's made such rapid improvements in, in, in that side of his game over the last few years. So look at that. They're not without a chance, but, but this is just one of those games, just sit back and, and enjoy it. In fact, I'm really looking forward. I'm doing the game at Eden Park Friday. So just going to, it's going to be great on Saturday to sit down and watch uh, three games, bang, 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 you know, all knockout games. It, 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 it'll be fun.
1: Yeah, it's exciting time of the season. TJ, uh, looking forward to your call, cool Blues Waratahs. Enjoy the weekend like all of us will. Thanks heaps for joining us, as you always do. Thanks, Jim. There he is, the great man Tony Johnson, he'll be calling Blues Waratahs, so just a reminder that's at 7 o'clock Friday night, TB odds, Blues $9, Waratahs $6.50, the Chiefs 4.30, uh, 4.30, not 30 $4.30, 4.30pm 430 Saturday, Chiefs 8 Reds $7, eight fifty $8.50, down in Christchurch on a cold, is it still wet? Mikey, Mikey told me the long range forecast was wet in Christchurch for the Crusaders to host the Fiji and Drua Crusaders dollar five, and the Brumbies two oh five, Hurricanes 177. I really don't know what's going to happen in that game. I'm probably going to have to think about it though, because um, show me the money's not far away. It's not now. It's not now. We'll take a break, and after that we'll go pacing for purpose.
0: Listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2.
1: Righto, this is where the folk at Harness Racing New Zealand give us a little bit of coinage to invest. And return to charities of our choice. Sammy, have you got an update from last week, perhaps? I do actually have an update to kick us off,
5: Steph, and you know me, when I go pacing, I like to do it with purpose. And um, last week, we certainly did that uh, because we leapfrogged, I can't actually remember the name of the horse that you, or whoever it was Art that attack. picked it. Art Attack. No, no, that was the first one, wasn't oh, it? Oh, okay. There's last week's old. one actually won as well. So we uh, we're up 440 bucks in the last two weeks. We're into third place. We're nipping at the heels of Smithy. Because we're stays. not far. We're we are stays. not far behind drive. So... Today, Mark, I'm going to become... No, today, I'm going to take you to tomorrow, Addington. Right. Race number five. Have a little look-see there.
1: Harness, Addington. It's at 7.08, perfect viewing time, which is the Hornby Liquor mobile post. Our great mates at Hornby Liquor for all your liquor requirements. Um, Okay. Have you gone nah, – no, hang on. You like trainer drivers. That's John Morrison. I don't think you'll take that one. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Curtin. Mm, no, I don't yeah. – oh, Carter Dalgetty is driving Crans. You might go there because it's – oh, and the Duns have got a – jeez, there's some – this is a good race. Great field. Could I so – see, you never take a, a notice of the draw, somewhere. we're going to get a horse. Okay. I'm just going to go, you're going to go safe and go number one, Archie. No. You're going to go a bit safe and go watermelon sugar now. Nah. Watermelon sugar, oh!
11: oh! sugar hi.
5: I picked on name alone this week. I picked on name alone, although mm-hmm. uh, has had uh, two wins. In its last two starts. Correct. So looks, looks a good bet to me, Steph.
1: Mm. just quietly,
5: well actually very loudly I'd like to make that tip quite loud
1: and this is Cran Dalgette trained Carter Dalgetty driven, the junior driver G- drew the Waterman
11: Sugar High what Sugar high.
1: Uh, Drawn 5 marble, not the worst I don't know what its gate speed's like off off the gate um, let's have a look at its last start win oh I had a horrible draw of 11 Big finish to win. Uh, the start before had a horror draw. Eleven parked at the eleven hundred. Led at the turn. It was the toughest. I tell you what, Sammy, you might have. Oh, if we could be on a watermelon sugar high. And this come is a big Friday. welcome
5: back to. I'm going to talk in the third person, Sammy Hewitt, because uh, <laughs> I've obviously taken a couple of weeks off to just detox and rebuild my confidence. And here I'm coming back strong. So but, you
1: had two weeks off, mm-hmm. and we had two wins. I know. Where
5: did you I get know, the confidence from? I know what you're saying. I, to be honest, it's a more of a show confidence Right. So, you know, it's when one wins, we all win And I just felt like, I've got to get on this It's sort of like, if I may use a terrible analogy here You're at a slot machine with a mate And you're not winning anything, and he's winning everything And so you just go, oh, bugger it, I'm out of here and, sorry, Or maybe none of you are winning So you say, bugger it, I'm out of here But then his machine just starts going off And you're like, well, i got to jump back up. I mean, everyone's winning, so here I go uh, and that's exactly what's happened here. I'm jumping straight back in. I'm going to win us some money, Staff. I'm going to pump up that, that pot. I don't know if you've heard that term before. It's more of an um, Indonesian thing, but I'm going to pump up the pot. I'm going to pump up the pot, and we're going to sugar. We're going storm ah. home
1: on the rails. Oh, this is exciting. Exciting. Um, just before we get the news, the text messages. Staffy, Friday night, Blues, Waratahs, or Warriors versus Raiders? For me, record the Blues, watch the Warriors, then watch the Blues, James. Oh, are they exactly the same time, or are they half hour apart? I think they normally... Sam, what times kick off Warriors Raiders? Do you know? 8 p.m. GAO Stadium. 8. Okay, so it's 7 o'clock, Blues. So I watch I watch the Blues, and I record the Warriors, and then I sync up the Warriors with Sammy and Kimpy. How I are you going to do that if it's recording? <laughs> no, because the Blues will be leading the Waratahs by about 30 points when the Warriors kick off. I see. History.
5: Did you hear that Um, Andrew Abdo is going to be blowing the horn at at the Canberra Stadium for Jared Croker's 300th, isn't that a little bit of a conflict of interest? Having it's a naff. that,
1: it's a naff. Yeah, but having
5: the CEO of the NRL like engaging in your pregame activity, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too far
1: into that. Maybe the PGA Tour Commission is going to shoot the shotgun for the shotgun start in the next Live Tour event. You know, it's about as weird as that. If you want to play. Show me the money. Ring us now. We'll go to news. Show me the money. 0800 150 811 4 Leg Multi. Let's go.
0: Show you the money. that's not so good. Show me the money. Show me
11: the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricanes are the named
1: their team. Daniel Singerson on the wing
5: Fantastic Hey B-Man Can you give us a little Show me the money
1: Show me the money Was that good? So oh I bad. thought that was quite, quite good raspy. He does some of our best Ad voicing does, he does. Can you
5: give us uh, The Chase That's coming up shortly as well. Actually no Save that, save that. I'll, so, I'll uh, save it I'll save it Champion tease. So we are have to fella? bring in A third wheel <laughs> Yeah we did have to bring in A third wheel um, And he laughs like a muppet yeah. <laughs> Alright Chief Calm down good yeah. on we, call, we call him muscles Here in the office So just feel I free to throw him, I call him Boris Sure. Sure. Hey, uh, James, how you doing?
4: Yeah, I'm doing good. Going off. Do you, um, oh, do you, have, a,
5: do you have a nickname for Brendan? <laughs> a
4: nickname for Brendan?
5: Yeah. Uh, not right now. Okay, just think Never. of, so- just man, think of something belittling and uh, we'll go full we'll run with that.
4: More insulting the better.
5: Um, Radio Staff. You're going to start with me?
1: Well, I don't know. Where are we going to start? Start with me. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure mine will be the first one uh, competed for French Open Tennis. Bianca Andrescu, Michael Venus to win the French Open mixed doubles title. It is tonight and it it's at 10 o'clock. Michael Venus has won there before. He's playing with Tim Putz, who's won nothing unless he's with Michael Venus. Andreescu, former US Open singles winner, coached by a New Zealander as well. $1.92. Show me the money. Show me the money.
5: Yeah, $1.92. ninety-two. like it. Good start, Steph. Good start. Um, 10 o'clock tonight. James, you have a nickname for Brendan yet? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I do,
5: actually. Go on. Brendan. Show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> show me the money, Brendan. Okay. Cheers, Chief. Show me the money, Brendan. All right, Brendan, go, what do you got, mate? I'm um, going UFC again, even though um, Kai let me down um, no, last I'd week. Say, I'd I'm, surprised, down. No, but I'm surprised we actually let Brendan back in because generally it's a one strike and you're out. I think anyone on this show who saw Kai's did. fight, it was an absolute robbery. The so. judges shafted it's, him. Yeah, exactly. That, that's quite funny. It's and just if you've got a problem with that, Sam, we can... Well, no, it's just funny, Brendan, because I've got your tip here on the bet, so it's got a big X next to it. So it's just funny. Can that, I guess what he's going to go?
1: I can, can I guess what he's going to get? Yeah, go Yeah, go on. Amanda Nunes by knockout. No,
9: okay. I'm not. I don't know if I'm backing Amanda. Can
5: I also just say, Staff, that um, y- you and your enormous sway at the TAB, um, as I've put that bet on for Venus Andreescu, it's gone up to $1.95. There we are. Brennan English. Sweet. I'm just taking Charles Oliveira just head to head, $2.15, $2.15. I reckon he's going to, you know, do what he does best, take him to the ground. Is and he
1: taking tr- on Benil Darius?
5: That's correct, yes. Mm, okay,
1: okay. I know and he's a, he's
5: he's a good outsider. grappler as well, but we all know what Charles can do when he gets your neck. It's, it's not fun. I actually <laughs> I try and do it to Sam out in the office quite regularly. I imagine that's any UFC fighter, really, once they get you in that position, Brendan, but I'll give you one of these. Sure, him, I'm not going to go to the NRL this week, wow! Steph. Yeah um, You have
1: turned over a new leaf.
5: I realized for some stupid reason in my mind I've been making a lot of money off the NRL this year and it's couldn't it be further from the truth. It's the opposite actually I'm I'm essentially a bank for rugby league. So I'm going to go uh, to some soccer football funnily enough and I think Man City do the treble against uh, Inter in the Champions League on Sunday morning. It's only at $1. forty, but given that you boys have pushed the boat out somewhat I think that's a nice little bit of mm. uh, paprika on top of the steak there Show me
6: the
2: money
5: <laughs> And we finish with uh, Jamez. James.
2: Hey, guys. Hey, um, I'm going
5: to go to
10: the
2: NRL. Yeah, And I'm going to the great man's nephew, Ali Leatoa, to Ooh. score try anytime. time for the Warriors. Wow. On debut. Wow. What can you tell us about oh, this young man?
1: League. That is rugby league. What can you tell us about <laughs> this young only, man?
2: Only what, I've, only what I've heard on the radio and TV that he's pretty good. That's good enough for yeah, us. Yeah, hey,
5: look, he's pretty good. That's that's the famous catch cry of anyone. Uh, so I'm going to put that on. He's at our $3.75, oh, yeah, staff, James. which takes us oh, to yeah. $22.01. Oh, if I put our show me the money on, it's going to be one thousand one thousand and fifty dollars oh. and 53 cents. James!
1: Fantastic.
5: Yes.
1: Come on, boy. You've got the longest range run. I like that. Mama. Good man. Good luck. Get up. Jeez, buddy. Get up. Get up. I'm just looking in. Um, I don't know whose account is logged into this um, into this computer. It just said there's two pending bets. Um, and I don't know when they were placed, but there's two pending bets. Bella Donna Lily to win. It did at $1.90 today. And the Blues 11-20 to 20 against the Waratahs, that's yet to play. And there's a three-leg multi, Just Ask Me at Whanganui, I think that was yesterday, that one. New Zealand Warriors against the Dolphins, that one. And the last one is the Denver Nuggets to win the overall NBA. I don't know whose bets they are.
5: Oh, it's probably Ricardo putting some multis together.
1: How do I find out whose it is?
5: I'm not sure. It's probably the, just the SNZ account, but just, they've just been putting them together, I don't know, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um. Coming up next, can yep. we get Brendan to just say uh, coming up next and you know what it is. Coming up next, the chase. Bit more. Bit more. Was that not enough? No, no, bit, bit deeper. Coming up next,
1: the chase. <laughs> 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 what number should they call, Brendan? <laughs> say again? What number should they call if they want to play the chase? Um, the station number, of course. Everyone already knows it. 0800-150-811 if you want to play The, the chase. chase. Full board for Show Me The Money, half board for The Chase. Are they sometimes? Show Me The Money is easier to win?
5: Uh, well, that'd be that'd be uninformed and undereducated uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they knew our track record. Um, but no, we do have uh, we do have some people on the line. So what we'll do is we'll spin the wheel, and I have got uh, B Man here spinning the wheel. He's holding up the number two, which I think is uh, Chris. Come on, Chris!
3: Oh hi, how you going, mate? We're doing
5: fantastic. <laughs> Are you ready to play the
3: chase? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was hoping those, the other one, but never mind, yeah.
5: That, that, that's right, mate, you're going to give it a right to give, give it a red-hot right crack. Red hot crack. M-
3: uh, one minute on
5: our timer. You've got a minute to answer as many questions as you can. If you pass, I move straight on. If you get a question wrong, right, i give you the answer. Chris, set A or set B on the questions? Yeah, all good. Yeah, what do you want? Set A or set B? Uh,
3: I'll go set A.
5: Set A, okay, Please. mate. Yeah, lock it in. I've got set A here ready to go. Your timer, Chris, will start in 3, 2, one. who are the Blues playing in this week's Super Rugby quarterfinal
3: the Waratahs
5: correct which team is currently last on the NRL ladder
3: uh, the Titans
5: the Dragons which two teams were involved in the last World Test Championship final uh, pass Inter- uh, Miami will be what number club for Lionel Messi Uh, how, how many NBA titles have the Devon Nuggets won? Six. Zero. Who is Michael Venus's mixed doubles partner at the French Open?
3: Oh, it's a woman. I can't remember her name. Sorry.
5: Won't accept that. What's the highest medal Tom Walsh has won at the Olympics?
3: Uh, silver.
5: Bronze. Leinster is an Irish rugby oh, club based in which city? Um... Oh, Durham. Dublin. Which famous cricketer had the nickname Dublin. punter? Yep. Oh, you've uh, run out of time there, yeah. Chris. And you, uh, finished, sorry on... About it. you no. finished on one. Pretty poor. You finished on one. Like, we've got a saying here in the booth, and that is you're going to need a couple of pushbacks. Um, <laughs> with one, my friend, we're going we're to put a minute yeah. on the uh, on the timer for our chaser today, which, of course, is the staffinator. Unlucky for you, staff. I would suggest <laughs> you can take your time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, in fact, I- I've got set B of the questions here, Steph, and I'm just going to actually pick out the hardest one to start okay. and see how you do. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock, and your time, we will start in three, two, one. Which American tennis player did Igor Schwartek beat in last year's French Open final?
1: Um. Could you repeat the question?
5: <laughs> Which American tennis player did Iga fight? Okay, say?
1: American. It's Coco Golf. <laughs> well, it was
2: fast. It was
5: it was fast and brutal for you, Chris. But um, I, yeah, admire,
2: yeah. I, I admire I admire your courage and your bravery. <laughs> Their
1: brain wasn't too good. <laughs> hey, mate, that's all right. I had to have a good, long, hard think. And I was going to say Coco. The reason I asked for it repeated was I nearly said Coco Golf, off, but I couldn't remember if he told us she was American or not. So there we go. Worth having a crack, hey, though, hey. mate. Well done. Thanks. Thanks, boys. See you, boy. Um and Foxton, was that the hardest on the set B?
5: I just sort of, no, nah, it probably wasn't, but I just sort of scrolled yeah, my I way through.
1: I was 100% sure you were going to give me a soccer football question because I know nothing. Mm, no, you probably would have got those two. So.
5: Would I? Maybe. Save them, eh?
1: You're going to save them. <laughs>
5: yeah, it's fair to say I'm not going to have to put a lot of questions together for next week.
1: <laughs> You've just made Savvy's Thursday a whole lot better. Um, coming up to 10 to 3, of course, Beaver and. Not sure, and oh, no, I've seen Kirst. Kirst, cars out the back. So Beaver and Kirst will bring you the run home from three to six. And then, of course, we have Joel and Fletch, which is a new addition to New Zealand Airwaves. I listened to it last night. It's really, really good. So it's the run home Australian style. They're two hours behind, but we take them live on here as well. Uh, just a couple of quick, did TJ just champ Staffie? That created a conversation in the ad break. When I use the word champ, like if I say to Sammy, um, good show today, mate. Thanks, champ. It's a term of endearment. It's it's a compliment. But Brendan, who's a a generation behind me, he said it's – the other way it's
4: a derogatory no line. no he,
5: he actually was more on your, more on your side whereas i just think it's derogatory regardless because i think there's a subcontext um and this is why we had that little discussion about what we should call brendan um we came up with the top five and maybe this is a midday madness for another day but the top five most demeaning nicknames someone can call you champ um buddy buddy bud um chief boss big man big fella um, and then we sort of go from there. Now, I said to you, you've got to put yourself in the position of a quite large, let's say, building uh, construction worker yeah. of something of that ilk. Big chest. Yeah, and they walk up to you and you're a little bit smaller and they go, g'day, champ. Now, they might be saying that with no ill intention whatsoever, but the subcontext is I'm a pretty big guy, you're a little bit smaller, a champ. <laughs> you know, it's sort of a little bit of that. I'm just going to prop you up a little bit there, fella, because you're only five foot ten. Now, go the other way. And you've got a big fella who runs into a very, very big fella. And when he sees him, he goes, g'day boss, g'day chief. Now he's trying to say, oh, you, think you're a, you think you're big, don't you? You think you're the boss, man. You think you're the chair, g'day muscles, g'day boss. You know, it's either way, Steph, regardless. that list
1: of five that you gave, I use all of those yep. in a positive way. Like g'day buddy, g'day champ, g'day mm-hmm. mate, g'day chief. It's, it's a pick up and now I'm going to, Just have to check my words. Yeah, whereas, you know,
5: I'm more of a cobber. uh, I'm more of a blue-collar nickname kind of guy, Steph. Your cobbers, your roost, um, your um, horse, your horn. Uh, it's more of, yeah, yeah blue-collar sort of rustic roots-type yep. nicknames.
1: but Yeah, someone's just told us they were going through the car wash when we gave the pacing for purpose. I can tell you it is Addington tomorrow, race five, which is just after 7 o'clock, and we've got Watermelon Sugar. Ha! Watermelon Sugar. Ha! That's what we've got. The Cran Dalgetti. Trained, Carter Dalgetty driven No odds out yet but we got watermelon sugar tomorrow at Addington We'll have a look back in the day after this
0: Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ Here's
11: what
9: happened back in the day
1: and with just a minute 14 to go in game three, Denver Nuggets looks like they're going to pick up a win on the road. They're up one hundred and three ninety four with a minute 14 remaining in the final quarter. On this day, June 8, 1966, the National Football League and the American Football League agreed to merge into a single league of at least 26 teams in 25 cities by the year 1970. They said it wouldn't take place until then because there is existing multi-million dollar TV contracts. But they did have games in 67 between the 66 champions of each league. Uh, In 2008, Rafa played Roger, and this happened. That's a great measure of the respect
6: again that Nadal holds for Federer, you're right. No celebration
4: after one of the most dominant, brilliant performances ever in a championship match
3: at a
1: major. Yes, Nadal gave Roger Federer his worst loss in 173 career Grand Slam matches. He became the first player since Bjorn Borg to win four consecutive French Open titles. He totally outplayed the Fed, winning 6-1, 6-3, 6-love. And it was the third consecutive French final the pair had played, and Nadal won all of them. He is missing this year. But, um, geez, there's been some good some good play. Uh, birthdays today. Um... Look, Sir Graham Henry, he turns 77 today. I hope today is better. Uh, turning 44 today, a Dean Wilson, former Silver Fern. Kim Kleisters, Aussie Kim, as she was known for a while when she was with Leighton Hewitt. She turns 40 today. And Andre Heimgartner, Kiwi motorsport driver, he turns 28. Uh, on this day in 1984, the number one movie was Ghostbusters. I remember going to the Odeon Theatre in Palmerston North to watch that. And the number one song was by Denise Williams. Now, Sam, you've done a good job this week. Yeah, I really appreciate you, champ. Um, If I said you could have the day off tomorrow, as long as what you were doing tomorrow, I'd give it to you off. What would you do tomorrow if I gave you the day off? Probably play some golf. Sam, take the day off tomorrow. Fantastic. I've got it covered. Thanks, Chief. But make sure you come in and um, do the Warriors game. Maybe. Good on you, buddy. Good on you, champion. (laughs) The run home's coming up. That is 3 till 6. We'll catch you, or I will, tomorrow.